1: What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is classified. This is
0: Mocha Only. This Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Five Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles for the Ghost. This is Absolute. This is KO. And you listening to the Come Up Show where that feel good music lives. Dig? This is the show that you come up
1: on. Yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. Yeah, Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto, host and founder of the Come Up Show, and this week my special guest is Royce the Five Nine, Nickel from Detroit, Michigan. He was in Toronto last week, part of his Canadian tour, promoting the latest album, Layers, and we talked about his creative process, and he told me His creative process, he likes his music the way he likes his movies and how his process has changed since he's been sober for almost four years, how that process has changed from today to over four years ago when he was not sober. And one of the key things that I took away from our interview and our conversation is the importance of discipline. And how you can also achieve longevity in not only the music industry. I think it can apply to any single field in industry or creative. And Royce the 5-9 talks about it in detail. Without further ado, my interview with Royce the 5-9 on The Come Up Show. Let's go! So you've been in Toronto and Canada a bunch of times. Yeah. How is Canada treating you so far in this tour and any memorable moments? Because I know you, you know people like Bishop Brigante and stuff like that. Uh, any good times that you've had in Canada so far that are going to stick out?
0: Well, I've been really busy just focusing on the shows, rehearsals, sound checks, interviews. Canada always treats me great, man. Always treats me great. I, I think my most memorable moment would probably be last night's show. Last night's show was great. It was by far the best crowd. Toronto, Montreal, and Calgary are the three top shows as far as energy. But I think Toronto got him beat, got everybody beat.
1: Okay. So yesterday was London, is that correct?
0: Yes, last night was Toronto.
1: Last night was Toronto? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, last
0: night was Toronto. It was great, man. Great mod club, bunch of crazy kids, you know what I mean? And all along for the ride and the experience, man, and it just felt like a real hip-hop energy, real electric energy, man. I was real mm-hmm. real taken aback by that. And Bishop Brigante got a lot of love. It was good for for me to see that with him in his own city, you know what I mean? Because he'd been running around traveling with us helping me out you know what I mean like showing me the way in Canada you know what I mean so it's been dope
1: that's amazing and uh, you've been on definitely on a press run promoting the new album uh, but I've been noticing some artists now are like not doing interviews anymore maybe the new breed of artists and obviously some of them are like people like top 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 but like Past week, actually, I got an interview with Skepta. I was really lucky. I had to like ask him personally, but he didn't do any press. He's like, "Yo, we don't do interviews." And I'm kind of starting to notice that in a bunch of uh, like a few artists that are starting to say, "No, we don't do interviews." I think J. Cole is one of those guys as well too. Where, you know, they, they got their music, but what do you think of that trend that's coming up? Is it is it reflective on journalists who are not doing their job or? Is this a personality thing, or what do you
0: think? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think I'm in a position to speak on that intelligently because, number one, I, didn't, I never even knew about it. This is my first time even mm-hmm. hearing, hearing about that. I'm sure they have their reasons. You know, I, I sure like to know what those reasons are. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think of the process? Because you've been doing a bunch of interviews. Yeah, do you get value out of obviously?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I do right now. I do right now because yeah. what I'm doing right now at the present time is I'm being very forthcoming with information regarding my sobriety, Um, A lot of my life changes. And I think younger artists can benefit from a lot of the story that I'm telling. So I get a little bit of a a fulfillment doing interviews. But in their defense, I never liked doing interviews. Never. And a lot of times what I find with people that are creatives, all we want to do is make music. We don't want to do anything that makes it feel like a job. You know what I mean? So. I think that can probably be where where a lot of it comes from. And you're talking about pure Skepta, J Cole. You're talking about pure artists. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. That would be that would have to be something that I would have to see. You know what 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 uh what their reasons are for that? Because yeah. I never knew about that. But yeah, I'm getting a lot out of doing interviews. This particular press run. Every other one before this, I hated interviews. Anything that I heard that I had to do, I was always like, yo, I don't feel like doing that. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. now it's kind of like. I'm getting people hitting me on Twitter saying, yo, man, like even people who don't even necessarily listen to my music. It's like, yo, man, that interview, yo, those words helped me get through this or those words helped me a lot. I take that. Don't even buy the album. If my my words helped you a lot, man, that Mm -hmm. that gives me a good enough feeling that gives me the energy I need to keep going. You know what I'm saying?
1: Because you're changing lives. You're making an impact. And that's all we could want to see when you're making an impact. That's, that's In a, yeah. a positive
0: way, in a yeah. positive way, because you got to have that balance, right? You know, I, I make very edgy music. I make very edgy music. I make music the way I like to watch movies. You know what I mean? Like, I like watching edgy movies. You'd be hard-pressed to get me to watch a movie that doesn't have some kind of violence in it, some kind of sex scene in it, some humor. You know what I mean? It's just what I like. You know what I mean? It's just what I like. It doesn't mean I'm going to go out and kill somebody, but I might just get on the record and talk about shooting somebody in an entertaining way, you know what I mean? So I like to put that positivity in the universe to kind of balance things out.
1: So when you just compare your process of making albums to uh, how movies are, you mean you're just taking them to different places? Right, yes.
0: I'm approaching it like it's entertainment. That's just when I'm rapping to be rapping. When I'm rapping introspective, I keep it as genuine as possible. It's all truth.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what's funny? I'm, I'm noticing this. Trend where I interviewed Mac Miller. You know, obviously he had a movie called Watching Movies with the Sound Off. But a few artists have been telling me they like to have movies playing and mute, and just be writing and recording. Is that at all in the process? Are movies playing anywhere for you, or are you just studio? That's it.
0: Yeah, no, I haven't got got into it. that process. When I'm in the studio, it's such a laid back. It's a patience thing with me in the studio. You know, there's no thing there's no thing that I feel can happen in the studio that's going to drive me to create. All I got to do, all I can do is lay back and wait on those thoughts to hit me. I just got to lay back and wait. So I turn the beat on and I pace around. Sometimes I'm on Twitter. I'm going in and out of my app for Twitter. I'm checking emails. Answering my phone. You know, I may think of a line, jot it down all while the beats just playing on loop and I'm just pacing around. You know, and I don't look at the clock. I don't say, yo, I got to be out of here by 2. You know what I mean? Like, I don't do that. I just take my time, and then I just nurse it. I nurse the songs until they're to the point where I feel like they're right.
1: And how does that process compare to maybe 5, 6 years ago when you? When I was drinking.
0: <laughs> when I was drinking.
1: Yeah.
0: It all happened from the bottle. You know what I mean? Like, I go, I stop on the way to the studio, get a bottle. I set it on the table when I get to the studio, and then I'm pacing around drinking. And the more I drink, the less I care. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm writing, and I'm not as meticulous because I'm drinking, and I'm going in a booth, land, whatever I got, and it comes out with a recklessness to it that people happen to like at that time.
1: And that's the thing, though. You said you were really good at drinking, mm-hmm. like you could drink, you know, tequila, a bottle of tequila, and people not know you're really drunk and conduct a an intelligent conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just building up a tolerance. That's all I did. You know, um, I didn't start drinking until I was 21. But when you literally drink every day for like 8 to 10 years straight, eventually the liquor is not going to hit you the same as it used to. You know, especially since I, I wasn't a shot drinker. I was a binge drinker. What I would do is I would pour out a bottle of of uh, water, water bottle, and then I'd fill it up with clear Patron. And then it just looked like I got water in the bottle, and I'd just carry it with me throughout the day just sipping it, sipping it. Just steady throughout the day, consistently sipping it throughout the day. And then, like, I never really reached the status of drunk in my day. I just keep a dope buzz all the way. And then by the time I'm about to go to sleep, that's when it all hit me and I'm just sloppy. And that was like a regular day for me. I drank every day like I was partying for something, like I was celebrating something.
1: I've actually, I'm also doing the same thing. I'm not drinking as well, too. And you notice that when you're not drinking, that alcohol is everywhere. Like, our culture is so pervasive with alcohol. Why do you think that is? How did that become? Like, you can't, like, you know, the average person, not even an alcoholic, is probably not going to go a weekend without drinking and going to a restaurant and having drinks and all that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's big business. It's big business, that's all. It's big business, so it's readily available to everybody at every time. So what's happening is everybody's discipline is being tested on a day-to-day basis. It's not just with liquors, with sex, it's with everything. You know, in Detroit it's easy to get guns, easy to buy ammunition, you know? Um it's just what it is, man. We live in a capitalist society, so you got to kind of like you got to find your own discipline within. So when you talk about the music business, you have to figure out a way to find your own discipline. You have to be disciplined enough to pay your own taxes. They don't get taken out of our checks. We don't get a check stub, you know. You got to go get your own health insurance. You got to learn how to manage your own finances. You got to do all of these things. Find your own discipline. Mm -hmm. And it's just pretty much what it is. And only the strong survive.
1: Alcohol couldn't be a little bit more extreme though, because if if you tell people, people obviously know you don't drink, but if you're in a setting, in a social se- setting, you say no, I don't drink. People look at you like something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? Are you on a medicine? What's going on with you? Like I feel like it has that little like social, a little more of a social pressure as well too. Would Would you agree with that?
0: You think it has more pressure than than rappers spending all their money on jewelry instead of paying the taxes? That could be possible. I think they neck and neck. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you feel that. So you feel that the, the one of the biggest uh, misconception is that artists have to have alcohol, weed, or drugs to be creative.
0: It's probably, it's probably the biggest misconception that I've seen. I certainly thought, you know, that it was part of it. I thought it was just a part of it. I thought, you know, um, hip-hop was one big party because that's all we see. We see the video girls. We see the, the rappers with the jewelry, and we see them having fun. We think, you know, like, shit, if you can do that for a living— that's what it's about, you know what I mean? So we all think that we're supposed to get into the game, and that's what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. until we start making a whole lot of mistakes. And then you start learning through trial and error what the, t- the kind of focus that it takes to actually be successful. Anybody can get into the business, and anybody can have a hit, but the staying power comes with discipline, focus, and consistency. You know, So the biggest misconception is all of the things that says no consistency and no staying power you know mm-hmm. and it's designed to you know for you to come and go quick mm-hmm. you know
1: so uh, as you mentioned earlier that you said that your music is helping people and your message is also helping people that are going through tough times i was wondering when you were recovering and in rehab and all that type of stuff what type of music were you listening to if any i don't know if you were listening to the same rappers who promote lean or getting drunk all that type of stuff was it a little bit different or was that just the same
0: I mean, well I listen to I'm listening to pretty much everything and I'm still recovering. You know, that's that's like a that's like a lifelong battle of mine, you know, like every day. Every day is uh every day is another fight, you know? You wake up every day and just say I'm not drinking today. As far as the music, I can pretty much listen to anything, you know. Um who talks about lean? Future future. I like future. I like Future a lot. I have his album. I like the dirty sprite mixtape. I listen to all kinds. I listen to all kinds of r and B. I I listen to things you would never think I would listen to. Mm-hmm. I listen to U2. Um, I listen to Barry White. Mm-hmm. Listen to, uh, but During
1: a sensitive time when you're recovering, are you able to listen to a future and like have that bumping all the time and and like and struggle with or like try to say, all right, maybe I shouldn't be listening to this or it doesn't matter. It doesn't have any influence. No,
0: nah, music never was really a trigger for me.
1: Yeah,
0: My triggers are like, going to this on my way to the studio doing things like interviews that used to be a trigger for me. You know what I mean? Like there used to be a time where I couldn't be on my way to the studio without being thinking about the liquor store.
1: How so. so? How did the, doing interviews how was that <laughs> did, a trigger?
0: But yeah, because I started doing it so much, I started drinking so much while doing things. Then when I stopped drinking, I did those same things and felt weird without drinking, without the liquor because I already trained my brain to think I train my brain, this is what you do while you're drinking. It's like training a dog. This is the analogy I use. You know, like you train a dog, right? You, you train them to either go in the same spot every day or you train them to have a trigger to go outside when it's time to use the bathroom. And it's the same thing. It's, it's After you do it so much, you do so many interviews under the influence, you get used to doing it that way and then you crave it when it's time to do the interview. That's exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think it's like, Alcohol is some type of thing where it's like if you see it, you want it because you're alcoholic. It doesn't work like that. It's not like a steak. I don't smell it and go, whoa, that smells awesome. Let me get some liquor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's way more cerebral than that. It's way deep, deep, deep in the brain somewhere. You know what I mean? So, Just
1: Just like how you form habits.
0: Yeah, how you form habits. And and it's triggers. It's triggers to it. And it just so happens that listening to music, I can listen to a rapper rhyme rhyme every single bottle of liquor with another word and it won't make me want to drink. Either I like the music or I don't, you know. So,
1: you you notice that you have in the, uh, you said this that you have an addictive personality. When did that click, and when did you say, "Yo, I have an addictive personality"? Like, how does that manifest?
0: I don't know when I when I realized it, but um, I did a lot of my reflecting um, when I first got sober, which was about almost four years ago. I did. I started doing a lot of reflecting, and that was the first time in my life that I started doing a lot of self. Observing, You know, I started observing myself. I started paying attention to certain traits and certain habits and shit like that. So, you know, it would be like I was able to think back. Like the first time my mom was tired of me sucking my thumb, I was a thumb sucker as a kid. My mom was tired of me sucking my thumb, so she put hot sauce on it to try to get me to stop. So I ended up liking the hot sauce. So. I started eating hot sauce on chicken, like, all the time. I don't know if that shit became an addiction, but it definitely was something that was delicious to me that I wanted all the time as a kid. Chewing gum was one. Chewing gum, I couldn't go a day without, if I didn't have chewing gum in my mouth, I'd grind my teeth. You know, that was like a, um oral fixation that I had. And, you know, my eating patterns, you know what I'm saying, like, If I like something. There was this carrot cake at this restaurant called Jay Alexander in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I liked it when I first got sober, so I ate it every day for about four months straight. Shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't even remember when the first time I realized that I had an addictive personality. But I know when I stopped drinking, I realized that it wasn't just liquor. I binged out on, like, energy drinks. Just shit like that. You know what Mm -hmm. what I'm
1: saying? Good to be self-aware. So, Layers, the album is out. Uh, where would you say this album fits into your legacy as an artist?
0: It's separate. It's separate. It's definitely separate. It's it's um. It can't go. It can't stand up next to the other albums because this is a totally different person. You know, it's it's a new beginning. It's like my first album. That's how I look at it. A few of my albums have been received well, like critically acclaimed. Some of them just you know received okay, did okay. Death is Certain was received very well, critically acclaimed. But I can't really compare Death is Certain to Layers because Death is Certain was one layer. Layers is every layer. It's peeling back them all and and, um, doing a lot of the things that I didn't do before and a lot of the things that I got criticized for not doing before. So I like to say it's like my first album, Stands By Itself.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard your son is a producer. Is that true?
0: Yeah, he thinks he is.
1: (laughs) He thinks he is. So if he wants to seriously produce... to get into the industry like what what i'm not sure if you've had probably these conversations with them. what's what's the advice that you would give him and that that also other artists can put or producers can potentially also benefit from
0: well with my son his biggest thing is he just needs to listen he needs to listen to everything i say i know everything that's first of all second of all it's all about consistency man you know like that's it like that's my i've answered this question a couple times and i'm consistently answering it the same way. Everything boils down to consistency. Everything leads to that word. You have to be consistent with everything you do. If you do something good and it's being received well, you follow it up with something good or better, and you consistently continue to do that. Don't leave one thing just out there. And then when you get outside of the booth, you got to be consistent there. The way you treat people, you can't treat I can't treat you one way while we're doing a, this interview and then as soon as you hit stop on the record i'll start treating you like a piece of shit. you know what i'm saying that's not consistent where to travel around it affects relationships and then it affects things in, in the business it's a 24-hour a day job it's not something that you can hit the clock hip-hop is a lifestyle Definitely. you treat it like that and you stay consistent across the board with everything with your decisions and you keep yourself in the position in a mental state where you can make consistent decisions mm-hmm. and you're not fucked up all the time, mm-hmm. there's no way you can fail. How can you fail? That's that's basically what I tell my son. So you can allow yourself to be distracted by a whole bunch of shit, and then you're going to get out of it what you put into it. You just roll a dice. Phew, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I appreciate your time, Royce. Anything else that you wanted to say to the people who are listening right now and they have, they have your attention?
0: I'm tired. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Thank you for the continued support. Like I said, always never a bad report from Canada or Toronto. You know, like a lot of love at the show. I wish you could have made the show last night. A lot of love at the show last night. And I'm just humbled, humbled, honored. You know, it's always a pleasure to be in front of the crowd and always a pleasure to put out music and get it to the Canada people. So thank you very much.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Royce the Five 59 If you haven't already, make sure you check out our previous episode and podcast. Last week was with Combat Jack of the Combat Jack Show. And we're getting a lot of love from that on all the socials and people that are hitting me up. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. And the best way to stay in touch with the Come Up Show is to subscribe to our email newsletter. All that information is in the description. And in the next week, we have a huge contest launching that you're not going to want to miss out on. Make sure you subscribe to the email newsletter. My name is Chetto. I thank you for listening. And I'll catch you all next Wednesday. Peace.